and welcome everybody to another edition of the Fantasy Football Consistency Show. I am your host, Bob Lung, and welcome. We are one week away from NFL starting. Big news today, everybody knows, um, unless you live in Iraq, Tom Brady's suspension was nullified, and uh, he will be uh, open to play this season, um, and so uh, that's a big news. Uh, we've got a big show tonight. We have Jeff Radcliffe from Pro Football Focus. Um, Jeff and I spend uh, we sat beside each other for a little bit of the Saturday this past weekend. But uh, before we do that, I just want to welcome everybody to the Asylum Fantasy Sports Network. I mean, as you know, we're here every night. Uh, during the week, I just want to highlight uh, what goes on every night, just in case you want to catch any of the other shows, and I know you do. Monday night, Sports Rants with Chris Heal. Tuesday night, the, the Asylum Sports Show with Flieger and Briggs. Wednesday is Pine Tar Talk for you fancy baseball guys with Ben Samuels and Mike Valverde. My show, of course, every Thursday night, 7 o'clock. Friday night, if you're into racing, racing times with Alan and Robin. On Saturday, the Dynasty Dudes, Russell Clay and Nathan Powell, bring you all kinds of good stuff there. And Nick Fricarelli, the Mad Scientist, on Sunday night. And you can listen to that any night of the week. But right now, without further ado, I bring on my friend Jeff Radcliffe. Jeff, welcome. Thanks, Bob. Uh, glad there you. Uh, <laughs> am I? Am I? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? You can hear me. I can hear you. Yes. Uh, so thanks Good. for having me, Bob. Yeah. So you and I got to uh, sit side by side. We didn't hold hands, which is good. Um, this past Saturday in New Jersey, uh, we got to be, uh, we were honored enough to be chosen to be part of the Fantasy League of Experts, uh, otherwise known as the Flex uh, Competition, kind of the new Tout Wars of fantasy football. Tout Wars has been around for a long time in the fantasy baseball world, where the national experts will get together, have their big draft, uh, be on Sirius Radio, all that kind of good stuff. Um a couple years ago, our good friend Jake Seeley decided to uh, put this together for football, and I'm glad he did. And uh, this is my first year. I don't know if this is your first year, second year, third year. I don't know how long you've been doing this, but it's my first year, so it was a great experience for me. Um, how long? How many years have you been doing this? This was my first as well. I was um, okay. I was invited to last year, and and uh, actually, I. Um, had a home league draft that day, so uh, was able to uh, get back into it this year, though, which is great. Was your friends impressed that you gave up a national competition to do their home draft? They should have been. Uh, half my friends don't even believe that I do this. <laughs> so, <laughs> um... <laughs> I, I, yeah, you know, I, it, it's funny. I'm sure you get the same... Uh, kickback, feedback, whatever you want to call it, from your friends who, who you know, regardless of what you do in the league, you, you can't win. Because if you win the, the, the league, then they assume you should win because you're a national expert. However, if you don't win the league, you've got to hear about it for the next, you know, number of months on how they beat the expert and the expert sucks and, oh, he's kind of an expert. I'm sure you've heard that numerous times in your lifetime. So, uh, am I right? <laughs> heard it. It was my, it, when I got married. My best man 
<laughs> actually uh, went on. That was basically the entire speech was how I couldn't win. I have the, the longest running league I'm in is with my, you know, my high school buddies. And boy, this thing has been going for at least 15 years. And at that point, I'd made it to the championship a, a few times. This was back in 2011. I had never won okay. that league. And oh, it was no. this whole, you know, it was a lot of fun, but I won the league that year. So I guess, you know, I guess I have to have best men speech, uh, speeches every season before. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Um, no, that's, and, uh, I, I didn't have, I haven't had that happen yet. Um, but then again, I got married four years after I started my league in 1985. So, um, I don't know if I'd won a championship by then yet, but, I, um, and I've been in this league. I think I talked to you about it um, since '85. Um, started before the internet, so we're in our 30th year. And I think I may have won, I think three times, um, you know. But my one friend has won four, so he always tells me that he should be the fantasy expert because he's won more times in the league than I have. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> fine, whatever. And, you know. So, needless to say, I I, I feel your pain, and um, I'm sure all the uh, experts that uh, do that and do that locally have the same issue. But so <clears throat> just to kind of give everybody a, a we're going to talk about the draft that we had. Um, this was a, a 14 team draft. Uh, again, all these experts are from various uh, genres of, uh, you know, levels of years they've played levels of years of being an expert. Um, you name it. These people are some of the best. I mean, we have, uh, Joe, I think it's it's Pisapaya or Pisapaya. Did I hear you pronounce it? We'll go with that. I think uh, I think that's right. Okay, he writes the Fantasy Black Book, one of the best-selling fantasy books every year. Uh, Daniel Dobish uh, from Vegas Insider was there. He drafted second. Ryan Fowler from Fox Sports was the third. Had the third pick. Um, our uh, uh, one female and one of the best females out there, Brandon Marianne Lee from her fantasy football had the fourth pick. Matt Camp from uh, Bleacher Report was five. Jake Seeley at six. Um, your guy, Mike Clay, from PFF, which I had to ask. I didn't get a chance to ask this to you guys. So how does PFF, uh, Pro Football Focus, for those of you keeping track at home, how do they get three spots in this? Shouldn't we be breaking this uh, this uh, this conglomerate up? <laughs> You know, we actually had another guy in the uh, the other flex draft that was down in DC, so we got four out of the out of the whatever twenty six uh, spots. Fair. So if if Pro Football Focus wins one of these leagues, we can go. Well, geez, you had twenty five percent of the people in this thing. Anyway, so Mike Clay, <laughs> obviously uh, well known for for kind of being the guy that helped start uh, Pro Football Focus, uh, at, picked after Jake at seven. Jim McCormick um, sitting clo on our side of the table, which was the good side of the table. Um, our table was very quick. We made the draft go very fast. Um, and we'll talk about how we make Jake Seeley's life a complete hell uh, a little bit later. Um, but Jim McCormick was on our table. Um, he's from ESPN. Uh, Pat Thorman from Pro Football Focus. Uh, myself picked 10th. Uh, Jeff picked 11th. So I was, uh, I was a PFF sandwich as you may. Uh, Mike Salfino from uh, uh, Wall Street Journal and Yahoo. Uh, Mike Florio, Frank Stample. Um I don't know who they represented. Was it Roto Experts? I think. No, I don't think it wasn't. And it, it was not the Mike Florio we were expecting to see. <laughs> I was going to say, because was, I was interested in that because I just happened to turn on the TV the other night watching a game or watching something, 
and this Mike Florio was on. Is he on NBC Sports? Yeah, he's the guy who founded Pro Football Talk, and then they got bought by NBC. So yeah. Okay. So this guy. Yeah. There's the so name. So I'm like, wow! I didn't realize. And I'm like, man, I didn't look anything like the guy that was sitting beside us. Um. <laughs> and then Jim, the last but not least, at the 14th pick, uh, Jim Day from Scout Fantasy was there as well. So, like I said, some of the best of the best. Um, they're competing. 14 rounds. Uh, standard draft, half point PPR, uh, only 14 rounds we got to pick, which doesn't give you a very deep bench, um, because you have nine starters and five bench guys. Um, and then there's a flex spot. So it's basically a starting lineup is one quarterback, two running backs, uh, three receivers, a flex tight end defense, but no kicker. So that, that saved a spot for us. So Jeff, I know we talked a little bit before this. Um, overall, let's just let me just ask your first off general thought process on your team, what you were thinking about as you went into the draft, um, and and how do you feel you do before we start going over the draft, <laughs> or how you did? I should sure. Say. Yeah, uh, you know, if anytime you're in a, a league that's more than 12 teams so a 14 team or a 16 team or even more than that i think the best approach is to shoot for the <laughs> highest possible ceiling as opposed to going for higher floor guys so that was the only major mentality that i came in with otherwise i like to let the draft come to me i'm not going to say i have to take a wide receiver in the first round or, or whatever it may be but i felt that for the most part that happened i did want to get a quarterback a little bit earlier and uh, there was some running jokes as to who could wait the longest at quarterback but I wanted to get one a little earlier in this league and you know maybe I could have waited a little bit longer there but you know for the most part I liked how things panned out for me uh, you know and and of course the teams that I typically like are the teams that don't do very well and the teams I hate that I draft are the ones that do well so this one's actually yeah, a team I, I somewhat like. <laughs> Yeah, I have that scenario happen to me, too. I'll be really excited about a draft, and that team won't even make the playoffs, and then I'll draft a team that I feel like I should have just gave up after the thing was over, and one year I won the championship because um, during the year I picked up, like, three waiver wire guys that just exploded in the second half, and, and I ran away with the title, and it really was just not dumb luck, but, you, you know, you, you know how it goes. Um, okay, so... Let's kind of go through this. So first pick, Joe picks, and this was a surprise to me, half-point PPR, uh, first pick overall, 14 teams, and he takes Eddie Lacy. Did that surprise you? Oh, I mean, uh, maybe a little bit, but Lacy is a guy who certain sites out there have touted as their number one overall player. So it's not a huge shock. And, you know, there's there was the backlash to the Jordy Nelson uh, injury. A lot of people are still trying to, trying to process this, you know, because it's not like Devontae Adams is just going to step in and be Jordy Nelson. So that means there's going to be some targets that are going to get distributed uh, elsewhere and in a half-point PPR format where Eddie Lacy could see more targets. I mean, he's a guy who is going to be on the field for all three downs. It right. does bump his value up. I don't like that. I wouldn't go there. I would have went with Le'Veon Bell or Adrian Peterson in that number one overall spot, but I can't I really say it's that outlandish. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. 
So Lacey goes there. Daniel Dobish does take Adrian Peterson. Ryan Fowler does take Le'Veon Bell, so pretty normal. Jamal Charles goes next. No surprise there. Fifth spot, Matt Camp goes for the first wide receiver in Antonio Brown. Now, if, if, if I know you haven't had a chance to really look at my book, but one of the people that absolutely is the, the most consistent player over the past two seasons uh, and has been perfect in consistency ranking uh, 16 out of 16 both seasons is Antonio Brown. So I've drafted Antonio Brown that early as well. In fact, in the pros versus Joe competition, um, I actually took Antonio Brown first overall. because He's just that consistent, and in a full PPR format, it was hard for me not to uh, to take him. Um, any disagreements? Any? What's your thoughts on Antonio Brown? You, you all into as well? Yeah, I mean, when you look at a guy like him who's so involved in that offense, uh, you know, look at what he did last year. It's just it's outrageous the fact that. The lowest uh, receiving total he had five receptions. You know he's always he, it was like seven right. was his floor last season, and only two games in in standard scoring leagues, but only two games where he didn't put up double digit fantasy points. I mean, you know I can't really fault it. Now that's not usually the direction that I go in in that spot in the five spot. Uh, if I'm staring at Marshawn Lynch there, I'm I'm very likely going to take him just because I don't like the uh, running back options on the comeback, uh, whereas I do like the wide receivers that you see there. But I, I can't fault Matt. I mean, it's a great pick, yeah. super high floor. Next pick, Jake Seeley takes C.J. Anderson. A little high for me, like you said, with Lynch still there, um, some other really good running backs. Um, I, that's a little high for me with C.J. Anderson. I get it. He he was a beast the second half of the season last year uh, in a PPR, even a half PPR format. Um, what did you think on the C.J. Anderson pick? Too soon? I don't. I don't. I mean, I would have taken Lynch over him, but I don't really have a problem with it, just because you know, in the preseason so far, especially uh, last week's preseason game, he was so heavily involved with the ones that, uh, you know, he looks like he is going to be that the guy for Denver. And if that really takes off, and we've seen he's already been capable of putting up RB1 numbers in a Kubiak right. offense, I mean, that's, that's a, you know, it's a risk that's worth, you, you know, worthy of being taken in this format. Like I said, 14 teams, you can be a little bit more risky here and kind of right. shoot for the moon. Gotcha. Next pick, Mike Clay, your guy, uh, takes Marshawn Lynch. Jim McCormick takes Des Bryant. Uh, Pat, Pat Thurman took my guy, Julio Jones. Um, I really wanted Julio. I really thought he'd make it to 10. He didn't. But I'm not whining because I took Demarius Thomas. Um, you followed with another running or another wide receiver. You took Odell Beckham Jr. Um, and I think any of those four, you could certainly mix and pick in a different thing and nobody would argue. You agreed? I mean, those are all the... The bit, the biggest four at that point, um, and no surprise that all of us kind of jumped on that wide receiver bandwagon in the drafts. Is that usually a pretty common thing for you? If you're later round, later in the first round, are you usually taking, um, if if unless one of those other running backs fall, are you usually taking a top wide receiver at that point? It really depends on on uh, the format. I, I guess in this in this league, yeah, I was really thinking I, I was between him and, and uh, Jeremy Hill, between Beckham and Jeremy Hill, and the way it worked out, 
Uh, I Again, I said I wanted to shoot for that higher ceiling. So for me, that was going to be Beckham. Um, I wouldn't have a problem, though, you know, going with that um, with that running back in that spot. But, yeah, typically here, that's probably what I'm going to do. Okay. So Mike Salfino obviously ruins your uh, party of getting Jeremy Hill on the turn. Uh, <laughs> takes Jeremy Hill. Obviously must have been looking on your paper. Um, Mike Florio, the the roto expert Mike Florio, uh, takes uh, Calvin Johnson. And Jim Day rounds out the league with – or rounds out the first round with Gronkowski. Um, any surprises in that round that you went, hmm, first round, no, don't don't feel it? Uh, I don't think so. I think it was fairly chalk. In, in fact, I, I, I would have expected maybe to see Gronkowski go a little bit earlier, uh, being that it is 14 teams. Just like I said, it puts a premium on the quarterback position. also puts a premium on the tight end position. So Jim got pretty good value there with the 14th overall pick. Um, you know, maybe, maybe Forte sneaks in that first round, but otherwise I, I think it's, you know, it was fairly straightforward at this point in the draft. Gotcha. Yeah. And I, 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 I agree. I really, uh, can't think of anything that, uh, I saw that was like, I was surprised. Um, there may have been a few people that could have been picked in the first round. Like you said, somebody like Forte, um, something like that. Um, but you know. Yeah. I, again, I, I didn't have a problem with it. I've seen Forte, even in 12-team leagues, fall into the second round. So anyway, speaking of Matt Forte, that's Jim Day's first pick of the second round. Um, so now he's got Gronkowski and Forte, both very consistent um, running back and tight end. So uh, certainly, I think, very good picks on Jim's behalf. Uh, the Roto experts come back, takes A.J. Green. Give me your thoughts on A.J. Green this year. Uh, he's kind of kind of fallen out of favor. He's still going in the second round, but I've seen him go this early, and I've seen him go much later in the second round. Um, just not a lot of excitement about him. He didn't have a great year last year, was definitely a lot less consistent than he had been in the past. What are your thoughts on A.J. Green this year? Are you still believing that he's a wide receiver one? I do still believe he's a wide receiver one. I just think the problem is his ceiling is going to be capped for two reasons. Uh, first reason is Andy Dalton, and I don't know if I have to explain that one too much. No, I, and then the I, other reason, I think we get that. Yeah, right. And the other reason is just that this is a it's a really run heavy offense, and I think that Hill is going to be the the benefactor of that this season. Now that being said, AJ Green is an awesome football player, and he's certainly Absolutely. good enough to be considered uh, a wide receiver one. But it's more on the back end of that that tier than uh, maybe a few years ago when he thought we thought he was potentially going to be one of the elite uh, fantasy right. options. Right. Mike Salfino, um, last year's champion, uh, took Mike Evans. And now it came back to you. What was your thought process there? And why did you pick who you picked, which was Randall Cobb, versus taking a, a running back like DeMarco Murray, LaShawn McCoy, Lamar Miller, Justin Forsett type person? Well, at that point, I felt like the value at running back had fallen off. Uh, any one of those guys, McCoy, you know, I do like I like the fact that he's going to see plenty of touches in that offense, but I don't like the fact that he's already hurt, and I didn't like how he ran the ball last year. He was very indecisive, side, side to side as opposed to north-south. I'm worried about Murray's touches. 
Miller, same deal. I mean, this is a guy who was very effective with his touches last year, but I don't see him being a 300-touch player. And Forsett only did it once, and the coordinator yeah. who he did it with is no longer there. So for me, Randall Cobb, now that happened before the injury, though. Keep in mind that, True. that, that Eagles before the Jordy injury. Nelson injury. Right. It, it, the, well, the oh, Randall Cobb right. injury. Before his injury, not before. Yeah, after Jordy, but before his injury. So did exactly. you, like, scream out loud? I think I heard you from <laughs> from Ohio <laughs> when it happened. Because um, that was that evening, it, right? It was. I, I don't yeah. I'm used to it. And the good news is that I did back him up way later on with Ty Montgomery, who's essentially a right. Randall Cobb clone. So, right. you know, worst case scenario, I don't really believe in wide receiver handcuffs, but in this case, it sort of is a wide receiver handcuff. And the volume right. of targets that Cobb's going to see without Nelson in this offense, uh, for me, he was the player who stood out in this half-point PPR format. So I went wide receiver, wide receiver, which is ordinarily something I never do. So it, it was really? a, a weird okay. approach. Yeah, I, I, I love to get at least one of those top 10 running backs and one of the top 10 wide okay. receivers in the first two rounds. Got it. Well, and, and so it came to me, and I was kind of in that boat as well. Um, if you wouldn't have picked Cobb, I would have. Uh, in fact, I was kind of like, oh, damn it. Um, I really wanted Cobb uh, at that spot. You took him. At that point, I was kind of in the same boat, but the opposite way. I felt at that point that there wasn't that elite receiver left um, that I could count on like I could Cobb, um, especially from a consistency standpoint, which is what I write about and what I track, and Cobb is definitely one of those elite guys. Um, the rest of the guys in there, Alshon Jeffrey, you know, was was close last year. We certainly, but I'm just not sure what to expect out of him this year, and he's been injured as well. So, believe it or not, here's a, the funny story is, is that um, last Thursday, um, I had on uh, one of the writers from Fantasy Sports Network, where I'm writing now, uh, who spoke about, he, he basically follows the Eagles. And I told him my dismay over DeMarco Murray, uh, the lack of touches that LaShawn McCoy seemed to get last year, and the fact that I just don't think Murray's going to be anywhere near, you know, where he could be if they didn't have Ryan Matthews there to steal some of the carries, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, he basically gave me a five-minute dissertation of why DeMarco Murray was the man, should be the man, and is the man. And he actually talked me into believing a little bit more in DeMarco Murray. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. I said, I'm going to this draft in New Jersey. There's 14 teams. I have the 10th pick. I said, if DeMarco Murray is sitting there on the turn in the second round, I'll take him just for you. And well, what do you know? <laughs> there he was. <laughs> um, so I took DeMarco Murray. Um, I told him I'm putting him on the line for this because um, I haven't drafted DeMarco Murray in any other league. I've been in 17 leagues. I have DeMarco Murray in none of them except this one. Um, so I said it would be interesting because I would have probably taken Lamar Miller or Justin Forsett normally based on their consistency from last year. But I went with DeMarco Murray, um, and we'll see what happens. Um, so <laughs> um, so then it kind of started a little bit of a run. Pat Thorman took Lamar Miller. Jim McCormick took Alshon Jeffries. Mike Clay, now your counterpart, took LaShawn McCoy. Does he like him better? Than you do, and does he have different reasons? What do you know? Uh, I wouldn't say he likes him better. I think he just likes the value getting McCoy as the eleventh running back off the board. 
it's good value. Yeah. And I mean, there's a breaking point for every single player. And, I, you know, in talking to him afterwards, he said the wide receivers were gone that he wanted. So if Jeffrey would have gotten right. to him, he would have taken Jeffrey. And he's okay. higher on McCoy than he is on four set. So for him, okay. I mean, it's one of those, you follow your board, you draft the guy who's the highest yep. at the board. And McCoy was, was that guy. Okay. Uh, Jake Seeley takes Justin Forsett, as we talked. Um, Matt Camp takes Jordan Matthews. Uh, uh, Brandon Marion Lee takes Brandon Cooks. Uh, Ryan Fowler takes Emmanuel Sanders. Daniel Dobish takes uh, T.Y. Hilton. And uh, Joe uh, take from uh, Fantasy Black Book takes DeAndre Hopkins. Um, what are your thoughts? One of the guys that I just refuse to draft this year um, is... DeAndre Hopkins. I'm just scared to death of the quarterback situation. I'm scared to death of the fact that Andre Johnson is gone. They they lost Arian Foster, so their running game is questionable. What are your? Do you have a different feeling for DeAndre than I do? Because I'm just not. I'm just not buying it, uh, especially in the second round. Even in even in the third round, I, if I have a choice between him and you know a T. Y. Hilton. Or you know, one of those kind of wide receivers. Um, I'm just not. I'm just not getting it. Um, what are your thoughts? What? Do, how do you feel about DeAndre Hopkins this year? I think his ceiling is absolutely massive. I mean, the guy's a he's a freak, and he's only gotten more polished. You're right, though. The quarterback situation is a concern. To me, I think it's fine where he was taken as the 15th wide receiver, 15, 16, 17. I'm fine with that. The one that really stands out for me here is that Jordan Matthews pick as the 11th wide receiver off the board uh, who yeah. for a guy who is Marcus Colston 2.0, which means he's a <laughs> wide receiver two ceiling. I just don't get it. And I'm, I'm in Philadelphia, so I'm plugged into the Eagles a little bit more. And right. yes, he is going to be the most targeted receiver on that offense, but they spread the ball around. They're going to get right. tight ends involved. They're going to get Darren Sproles involved. Nelson Aguilar is going to be involved. Uh, Josh Huff is going to be involved. Hopefully, Riley Cooper is not going to be involved. But uh, <laughs> it's you know it's a situation where you know week to week, I don't know if you're going to be able to count on this guy. You you talk about consistency. I don't know how consistent Jordan Matthews is going to be on a week to week basis. So he's the guy who I would really uh, single out out of that little wide receiver run as the one that uh, maybe doesn't fit. All right, and. You know, it's interesting. I, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, I, I, I like Jordan Matthews. He was decently consistent last year. I think he was around 50%, which isn't bad for a rookie. Um, obviously, Jeremy Macklin was the guy who, you know, was targeted and got the, you know, had the consistency last year in that system. But Jordan Matthews didn't move into Macklin's role. So Jordan Matthews is still playing Jordan Matthews' role. And so I, I agree with you. I don't think he's, def he's definitely not a wide receiver one. Um, you know, I think I may have picked him in a couple leagues where maybe he's my two or three, um, in a 12 team, but you know, even then, uh, usually again, I'm picking somebody that I feel a little more comfortable with than that. Um, like to welcome Lenny Melnick from Roto Experts. Yeah, he's on our chat, uh, chat room right now. Lenny, welcome. Um, and, uh, thank you for uh, being on here. He asked who, where did Odell Beckham go? And I said, well, Funny you asked. Jeff Ratcliffe took him number 11 overall. So, all right. So, that second round, um, you picked your guy, Jordan Matthews. Um, I think everybody pretty much fits in there other than Matthews. I'm kind of with you. 
Um, Emmanuel Sanders is kind of the one that's also scaring me with the injuries and not being really much there in the process during preseason. Um, I, I don't know if I would have picked him that early. Wide receiver 13 is his ADP, but I just think that's a little early. I probably would have taken T.Y. Hilton um, ahead of him um, if I had my choice between the two. Um, you know, even Brandon Cooks is still a guy that I'm still kind of iffy on. Um, you know, he has a lot to prove. He's stepping in um, into that situation. What are your thoughts on Brandon Cooks and Sanders um, as we're heading into the, at the beginning of the season here just a week week away? I do agree with you on Sanders. I probably would have went Hilton there. Uh, I'm a little worried that Hilton's not going to see the volume that he saw last year with Andre Johnson in the mix. Uh, and a lot of mouths to feed there, too. But then again, this could be one of the most pass-heavy offenses in the league. Uh, but right. I do like Cooks. You know, a lot of people forget, and we, we have very short-term memories in fantasy football, <laughs> but at this time yeah. last year, the wide receiver that out of that rookie class, that historic rookie class that people were touting the most, was not Odell Beckham Jr. It wasn't Sammy Watkins. It wasn't Kelvin Benjamin. I mean, the list goes on and on for this class, but it was Brandon Cooks. That was the guy who everybody was talking about, and he obviously he, he had a decent season going before uh, injuries derailed that. And then when he comes right. out this preseason, he's been looking fantastic. There are more targets uh, available with Jimmy Graham and Kenny Stills out of the mix, and I think this is a year where Drew Brees relies heavily on Brandon Cooks, and he's a, the type of player as well who has that sort of Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, electric upside to his game. I'm not saying they're the same type of player, but he can right. he can he can make some big splash plays. So Cooks is a guy uh, I'm trying to get him in as many leagues as possible, and I absolutely love uh, that pick right there. I would have taken him over Jordan Matthews for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I would have taken probably all of those guys. Um, all right, so we we go into the third round. Uh, Joe Pizzapaya, uh takes Andrew Luck. So there's our first quarterback, Daniel Dobish. Not to be outdone, jumps right all over. Aaron Rodgers. So now the two quarterbacks are off the board. And that's been pretty common in most drafts I've seen is that, um, you know, Rodgers and Luck usually are going second, third round, depending on the scoring method and that kind of stuff. So no surprises there. Ryan Fowler takes Golden Tate, wide receiver 16. Um, what are you, How much do you like Golden Tate? He was actually fairly consistent last year. He was around the 70%. In fact, Golden Tate had more consistency, had a higher consistency rating last year than Calvin Johnson did. Um, and that's even with the missed games. I mean, that's just games played. He had a higher consistency rating. Um, there's, I've heard, like, extreme both sides. People just, just think there's no way Golden Tate can match those numbers, and I have people who believe. Where are you at? Well, I'll say this. Golden Tate is a very good football player. But it doesn't always translate to being a very good fantasy asset. I mean, last year he only scored four touchdowns. You know, as good as that as, as that season was, it was only four touchdowns, and he only had that that stretch of hundred yard games when Calvin Johnson was banged up. So, for me, I think the ceiling that he offers is is limited when Calvin is healthy, and I don't think I could take him as a top twenty option. Uh, I hear you on consistency, but you know I, I'll take consistency with him as my third receiver, but not as my second right. receiver. And that's a good point. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I 
I really haven't drafted him because he's been drafted so high. Um, I really was hoping to get him as kind of my wide receiver threes because of his consistency. I mean, the one thing that I bring up, and, and I'll be, I'll just play, uh, you know, the opposite side here. Golden Tate had 11 quality games in a, in a full PPR format. So he was 11 out of 16, which was, again, better than Calvin Johnson, who was like, uh, I forget what his percentage was, but it was a little bit less. Um, so, you know, in those games that Calvin missed, there was only, what, three or four of them. So he did earn seven quality games or eight quality games in the games that Calvin was there. So I, I, I try to explain to people. So, you know, it's not like he, he just did those games and then fell off the face of the earth, or he wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought that highly of him. So that's kind of where I am with him. Would I have drafted him that soon? If I was sitting there, probably not. Um, you know, I might have taken Andre Johnson, who was the next pick, uh, Brandon Marion Lee pick, uh, over him, or I might have went some other direction, you know, whether it was tight end or whatever. So, as I said, Brandon Marion Lee goes uh, Andre Johnson, which is I think is a good pick there. Matt Camp uh, takes Frank Gore, uh, running back 13. Um, so, he now has Antonio Brown, Jordan Matthews, Frank Gore. Uh, Mark Ingram goes to Jake Seeley. Jake Seeley goes on the three running back run of C.J. Anderson, Justin Forsett, Mark Ingram. Um, we'll go over his team a little bit later. Um, that looks great for now, but we'll, we'll, we'll have to take a look at how his wide receivers work out, let alone his quarterback. But we won't go there yet, will we? Uh, <laughs> Keenan Allen goes to Mike Clay. Um what are your thoughts on, you know, Mike obviously liked him. I have a lot of respect for Mike, but I'm not a big fan of Keenan Allen. I, I used to be, but last year just 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 kind of really fell apart. His consistency went down the drain. Um, you know, there's there's obviously good feedback that there's a rebound coming, but is it going to be enough to make him basically his wide receiver one? Is that going to pay off for him waiting to the third round to get him? Um, what do you think of, the, what are your thoughts on that, um, of, of him taking Keenan Allen that spot? Well, I, I think a closer look at Keenan Allen's 2014 season, uh, is necessary here. I mean, yeah, the, the yardage wasn't there. He had, you know, over a thousand yards in his rookie season, only 783 last year. Uh, he put up eight touchdowns in his rookie season, only four last year. But then when you take a closer look, in 14 games, he was targeted 121 times. He was only targeted 105 times in 15 games in his rookie season. So the target number is up. And this guy is, he, he, he fits the mold, sort of passes the eye test of a, of a wide receiver one, uh, you know, in a, a, a top tier wide receiver. So if he can put this all together, I, I think that Mike may, may end up getting a value with Allen. Now, of course, risk reward by all means with, with Allen, but he is the top receiver in a in a fairly potent offense with a competent quarterback at the helm. So I mean, you could do a lot worse there. I know Mike likes a little bit higher on Allen than I am, but uh, right. you know, for example, like De- uh, Devontae Adams goes a few picks later. Uh, what's that? About five <laughs> or six picks later. Yeah, right. I would have probably gone with Adams there. Oh, okay, that's interesting. All right, well, we'll talk about it when we get down there. So Jim McCormick goes uh, uh, Amir Abdullah. Um, as his first running back, um, too soon? Okay, is this a good pick for Jim? Way too soon. Uh, <laughs> okay, this I, is, I'm, glad, I'm glad you agree. <laughs> I didn't want to well, make Jim mad, but we both say it was way too soon. 
Yep, Good. playing with totally fire right there. I, yeah. Uh, there's several running backs I would have taken well ahead of Abdullah. Would have probably been targeting Abdullah in the fifth round in this draft. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jermaine Stewart goes uh, to Pat Thorman. Um, now it's my pick. Um, one of my favorite players from last year, uh, and there again, there are people who agree and disagree, um, in a PPR, in half PPR format still just as well, um, and I took as my second running back, uh, third pick, third uh, third guy overall, um, Andre Ellington. Um, in my book, you'll see that last year, 11 out of 12 quality games in the PPR format that he played in, um, he was playing on a hurt foot all season. He's 100% healthy. I watched the game the other night when it was on Monday night. Um, he got targeted a lot, he, whether it was handoffs or passes out of the backfield. Now, offensively, they didn't look that good against the Raiders. I was kind of disappointed, actually, in how they played. But there was no question that Ellington was getting the ball quite often, which made me feel better about it. And, I, and, I, and I've heard that, and that's the stuff I've heard. And I know they got David Johnson. I know he's a good player, but I think it was more just to give Ellington some more time to rest in, you know, during the game so he doesn't wear out over the season. He is a little bit injury-prone, but I really like that pick, and that's a guy I've picked. I probably have Ellington on... 90% of the teams in, in, that I've played on, with that I've uh, drafted in this year. What do you like? What do you? What are your thoughts on Ellington? Well, first we got to talk about my thoughts about the, the Arizona offensive line. If they don't put this together, uh, I mean Carson Palmer. This is bad news for Carson Palmer. Bra- uh, Bradley Soul looked terrible. I mean he had a clown suit put on him by Khalil Mack in that game. Uh, so that's not good. I mean, they, they maybe re- blocked for the run a little bit better than they blocked for the pass, but still not even that impressive there. But what a lot of people re- don't realize about Andre Ellington from last year is that he was a top 10 fantasy running back through the thir- first 13 weeks of the season. Top 10. Right. Not, you know, yeah. and you're getting him as the 17th. I mean, that's, uh, that's great. And he's <laughs> yeah. 18th. 18th. Oh, you're right. 17th. So you're so you're going to, I mean, you're going to get a guy there who's going to be heavily involved in Bruce Arians' offense, and Bruce Arians loves right. to feed his running back. Uh, so I, I, I would be really happy with this pick. I was actually, I had him on my short board and would have been a player I would have considered with the next pick. Great. Well, and with the next pick was your turn, and you took Melvin Gordon, the the highly touted rookie uh, at San Diego. Um, there's been a lot of talk that he's not ready he's not blocking well he's this he's that um you took him he certainly was amazingly talented in 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 college um but this is your first running back why did you choose melvin gordon over somebody like alfred morris um you know carlos hyde uh you know maybe one of the joseph randall one of the other guys that maybe if done a little bit more in the NFL, a little more proven, um, why did you go Melvin Gordon? Is because you talked, as you've talked a lot, are you going for the ceiling and that's why you went Gordon versus some of these other guys? Absolutely. I stick to my story. Morris on the, on <laughs> a Washington team that is terrible. Uh, I'm, I'm allergic to Redskins this year. Uh, Hyde. Hyde lost half of his offensive line. Mike Yapati is gone. Anthony Davis is gone. That does not go positively. It's, it's a 49ers team that's just reeling 
from this offseason. And then Joseph Randall, I mean, this is a running back by committee situation. So anybody drafting Joseph Randall in the fourth round, uh, you might be uh, a little upset at how that turns out. So, yeah, I, I drafted for ceiling. You know, uh, Todd Gurley goes to pick after. That would have been a similar right. type situation. The only other player I might have considered there was Latavius Murray, uh, another high right. ceiling player in a shakier offense, though. And I'm not really worried about Gordon being a two-down player. I know that's what he is, and, and that really doesn't yeah. bother me. Uh, I need him to get me essentially RB2 value because I had a plan in place, and I did execute my plan for the next round. In the next round. We'll, we'll get to that. So you take Melvin Gordon, as you mentioned. Mike Salfino takes Todd Gurley. Devontae Adams goes, um, you, you really high on this. You thought he could have easily went earlier in the round. Um, and, you know, uh, obviously we'll all wait and see. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out with Jordy out for the year. Jim Day takes Alfred Morris. So he goes safe. Uh, on the turn uh, in the fourth round, he takes Sammy Watkins as his first wide receiver. Um Sammy last year, really good player, little inconsistent, um, still has a, a quarterback situation. Um, Tyrod Taylor now is the, is the man for now. Um, I don't, you know, I've seen him play Tyrod Taylor. He looks like he can make things happen, but, you know, that's preseason. Um, do you think that was a good choice to take Sammy Watkins at that point with some of the other wide receivers on the board? Well, he's a player who I have been uh, actually waiting on. You know, in this format here, there are a few other wide receivers, like Amari Cooper, for example. I might have leaned towards him. It looks like Derek Carr, I always want to call him David Carr. Derek Carr is going to target right. Amari Cooper like crazy. So, I mean, oh, yeah. did you watch the game against? Did you watch that Cardinals game? I swear, I was like, yeah. holy cow, I don't know why I don't just pick Amari Cooper in every draft because... He's the only guy. I think he threw the Crabtree a couple times. Crabtree dropped the ball, so he went right back to Cooper. Um, but, yeah, I, I was surprised that somebody like that or some of the other guys we're going to talk about wide receiver-wise. Um, but, obviously, Jim Day likes him and took him there, and uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, Roto experts guys take Latavius Murray, um, which was actually their first running back um, after they took uh, Calvin Johnson, A.J. Green, and Devontae Adams. And the fact that the Roto Experts guys got Devontae Adams as their third receiver. Makes it look a little bit better, um, even though it was a third round. So um, probably a good pick at that point for them. Um, Mike Salfino takes the uh, second tight end off the board, Travis Kelsey. Uh, and now we're gonna, let's talk about this pick. Fourth round, you've got Beckham, Randall Cobb, Melvin Gordon, and you went for the end of the season or maybe sooner, and you went for Arian Foster. Talk about your thought process and why you took him that early, knowing that he's going to miss at least half of the season. Actually, that's not what I know. I know he's going to miss uh, potentially two games. That's really what the, the reports are suggesting. Now, this injury was blown way out of proportion. And it's one of those okay. things where somebody took it and ran with it and nobody did their research. And the research really suggests that Foster, I mean, worst case scenario, this guy's coming back at the end of September. And so he misses, hmm. what, two, three, 
four games. All right, Le'Veon Bell is missing two games, and he's the number three right. overall pick in this draft. <laughs> and Foster is a step or two behind Bell, but st- if Foster was playing every single game, he would be a first-round pick in this league, no question right. in my mind whatsoever, especially because it's a 14-teamer. So I'll take right. that risk. I'll find a guy who I can just plug into my lineup for the couple weeks that Foster is out. And then, you know, if this really does pan out, and this is one of those, you know, you've got to shoot for the highest possible ceiling. Sure. If this pans out, right. I get an RB1 in the fourth round. That's an absolute steal. Exactly. Um, I'm responding to uh, um, Lenny Melnick on here. He asked who the Roto Expert guys were. I think that these guys are Roto Expert guys, Mike Florio and Frank Stample. Pretty sure they are. Um, he says, I'm rooting for all the other guys. Obviously, Lenny, not a big fan of the Roto Experts, folks. <laughs> Even though I think he writes for him, doesn't he? I, I honestly, I don't right, know. So yeah. So we're in the fourth round. Uh, you take Arian Foster. So now it's coming to me. Um, at this point, I'm pretty much looking for my wide receiver two. Um, one of my favorite wide receiver twos, especially in a 14 team um, that I have drafted in many leagues, is Jarvis Landry. Um, last season, uh, Jarvis Landry, over the last eight games, was a perfect eight for eight uh, in a full PPR format uh, in quality games. Um, he really seems to be gelling, uh, and he gelled well with Tannehill last year. Uh, he's looked like the same thing is happening um, in uh, preseason, um, and I'm a fan of him. Um, and because of that consistency and because of that, um, what are your thoughts on Jarvis Landry? Do you think I may have jumped a little quick on that? Um, I could have taken Edelman. I could have taken Robinson or Amari Cooper. Now I'm kind of thinking I might have taken Amari Cooper. But be that as it may, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I probably would have went with Cooper there as well. But, uh, you know, I was a little bit down uh, really on um, Landry throughout most of this uh, preseason, offseason process. But seeing him play, he does look like he's put on a little uh, muscle, which is which bodes positively. I mean, this is a guy whose average depth of target was – among the lowest in the league last year. So while he sees a lot of targets, there's just not a lot of yardage. So he's more of a PPR asset. But being that this is a half-point PPR, the fact that he did actually get a, a red zone target early, you know, in the second, was at the second preseason game when he scored the touchdown. Yeah. So I do like that. I like the fact that Tannehill's looked really sharp in this uh, preseason. He looks like he's taken another step forward as a player. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a little early for my taste, but – you got to get the guys that you like, and, and I don't really right. have a problem with him in the fourth round. Right. All right, so Pat Thurman then uh, Thorman went with Jimmy Graham, so our third tight end. Jim McCormick goes Carlos Hyde. Uh, so now he has he has Des Bryant and Alshon Jeffries, but his two running backs are Amir Abdullah, Carlos Hyde. I don't even think we need to ask you what you feel because you already mentioned it earlier on both of them. Um, Allen Robinson, Mike Clay takes uh, him – um, he's really looked good in the preseason. He had a nice uh, season last year. Uh, Blake Borders does seem to be a little bit better this preseason. It looks like he is kind of taking a step forward. I don't. I wasn't a big fan of Bortles. I've seen some of the preseason highlights. Um, Alvin Rob or uh, Allen Robinson might be one of the best picks I think in this draft. Getting him in fourth round, wide receiver twenty two. Um, um, do you agree? 
Well, I like uh, I like Allen Robinson. I've taken him in a number of drafts so far this year. You know, he's a guy who is going to be very heavily targeted, though. Don't count out Allen Hearns. Uh, Bortles showed that he does like to throw the ball to Allen Hearns as well in that pre that last preseason game. Uh, Bortles looks sharp. Now, Bortles looked sharp in the preseason last year as well. So I don't mm. know if we can read too much into this, but even if he struggles, Robinson is going to see a ton of targets. And another high ceiling guy. So, uh, you know, and I know Mike was very happy because he has to have Allen Robinson on every one of his teams. <laughs> there was joy in Mike Clayville. All righty. So, Jay <laughs> Seeley now takes uh, uh, Ju- Julian Edelman as his first wide receiver. Uh, Matt Camp takes Joseph Randall. And I think we already had this conversation last round about Randall uh, in the fourth round and becomes his number two running back. So he's relying on an old guy in Frank Gore and, and a running back by committee guy in Joseph Randall. We'll see how that works out. Uh, Brandon Marion Lee takes Amari Cooper. Uh, so now she has Jamal Charles, Brandon Cooks, Andre Johnson, Amari Cooper as her third receiver. So I, I think we both agree that that's a great pick at that point. Um, you know, see what she ends up with her second running back. But she's got a great core of wide receivers there. Uh, Ryan Fowler takes Chris Ivory. Uh, running back 25, um, what are your thoughts on Chris Ivory? Is is he, is he going to continue to be the main guy there? Um, what if Steven really becomes healthy? What do you think is going to happen there with Chris Ivory and the Jets? I don't think there's any concern about Ridley, but the major concern about Ivory that a lot of people aren't really aware of is the fact that he's not going to be really involved in passing situations. Bilal Powell has come on the field in every passing situation with the one so far this preseason. That's Mm -hmm. not good if you're expecting Ivory to be this sort of upside RB2. I I think, you know, borderline RB2, right where he was picked, 25th running back, that's fine. But to expect much more than that out of him, to expect this guy to approach 300 touches, is uh, I think is a big stretch. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm I'm trying to avoid him as opposed to a guy who goes a couple picks later, TJ Yeldon, I think has uh, a little bit more upside, maybe, you know, lower floor, but more upside than Chris right. Ivory. Right. Okay, so Daniel Dobish goes and takes Greg Olson as the fourth tight end off the board. Um, one of my favorite guys, I have him in a lot of leagues. Um, actually, last year was the third most consistent tight end um, after Gronkowski, and believe it or not, Delaney Walker. Uh, and and El Olson is always top five consistency, so um, I think it's a good pick there. Um, you know, one of the guys that I was kind of targeting a tight end, but I wasn't ready to pick him that early. Um, T.J. Yeldon, as you said, goes to uh, Joe uh, Pizzapaya. Um, so now he's got Eddie Lacy, T.J. Yelton, uh, Andre Hopkins, Andrew Luck. On the turn, he takes Jeremy Macklin. Um, all of a sudden, Jeremy Macklin became a household word. <laughs> Out of the blue, you know, he was pretty much going very late in many of the drafts I've been in. But he has one really good preseason game, um, catches a touchdown pass, which is, I think, the first dual wide receiver in all of last year. Um, and all of a sudden, Jeremy Macklin is... ADP is skyrocketing. Is it valid? Is this really going to happen? Is there going to be touchdowns by wide receivers in Kansas City this year? Or is that a one-game preseason fluke that we probably are not going to see that often? I, I mean, he scored in back to, back-to-back games. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, he, this is pretty valid. And he's going to see a lot of targets in that offense. There's nobody else there. 
right. you know, in terms of the wide receivers. Travis Kelsey's there, sure. Jamal Charles is there. But Macklin is going to be that, that guy. And, uh, you know, Alex Smith sort of gets picked on a little bit, but it's a similar situation we've seen with, with some other players as well. I mean, Sam Bradford is a guy who got picked on. Oh, well, look what he did with the Rams. Well, look who he was throwing the ball to. And look who Alex Smith right. was throwing the ball to. Dwayne Bowe <laughs> is his top uh, wide receiver. So Macklin's right. a step forward there. And, yeah, in this format, half-point PPR, he certainly could be a wide receiver, too. That wouldn't shock me in the least bit. So I don't really have a problem with taking him in the fifth round. Okay. No, and I agree, too. I mean, I like I said, he was very consistent last year. Obviously, a lot of people just assume that, well, he goes away from Philadelphia. He's going to suck going to Kansas City. But he's still a very good wide receiver. It's just a question of whether Alex Smith gets him the ball enough. Randy Marshall goes to Daniel Dobish at this point. Uh, then uh, Tevin Coleman goes to Ryan Fowler. Um, I'm not a big fan of Coleman. Um, this would have been uh, his third running back that he picked because he took Le'Veon Bell and Chris Ivory. Um, are you okay with him as the third running back on that team? Or do you? F- I-, I feel like he probably should have got another wide receiver there um, since all he had, I mean, it would have been his third receiver. Um, but do you, what are your thoughts on Tevin Coleman? I- I'm not a big fan. I think he was a very productive college player. Uh, you know, over half of his runs last year came on, uh, or half of his yards last year came on runs of over 15 yards. But that being said, I think that there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve for him. A lot of people think, oh, he's stepping into the Shanahan offense. I could run for a thousand yards behind that. <laughs> I don't think that's necessarily the case for Coleman. And the fact that he did open up the preseason as uh, really second fiddle to Devontae Freeman. I like Freeman. I think Freeman could be a good back yeah. in that system. Coleman's a home run hitter for sure, and maybe that's what he was shooting for here, but I agree with you. I would have went with a wide receiver in that spot. Right. Joe Key Bell goes next. Uh, he's starting to come back to the team. Uh, he's getting his health back. It's going to be interesting to see how they share him and Amir Abdullah there. Um, but this was, again, his uh, running back two. May have been a little bit of a reach, but, you know, again, um, Brandon may have thought differently. Nelson Aguilar goes to Matt Camp. Uh, so now he has Antonio Brown, great pick, but he's got Jordan Matthews and Nelson Aguilar. Has he, is, is he smoking too much of the Philadelphia Eagles uh, <laughs> dust there? Or <laughs> I rarely see two guys get picked off the same team Maybe back in the day when Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne were together or, you know, something like that. But Or, you know, getting Randall Cobb and, and Jordy Nelson together might be worth it. But Jordy Matthews and Nelson Aguilar, interesting pick on his behalf. Jake Seeley takes Vincent yeah. Jackson. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying I agree. I, I, didn't, that, I didn't actually notice that as it was happening. But uh, the yeah, only I way either. I think that might have made sense is if later on he he grabbed Sam Bradford, but that actually wasn't the case. Okay. <laughs> Jake Seeley takes Vincent Jackson. I despise Vincent Jackson. He's the most he's like my poster child for inconsistency. He hasn't been over like sixty percent consistent in his career, even in his best years. Um so I, I'm not a fan of him at all. Uh Mike Clay takes Giovanni Bernard, which really disappointed me because I wanted him to be my third running back in that round. Um I love Bernard. In fact um, in a full PPR format last year, Giovanni Bernard was 62% consistent. Jeremy Hill was 63% consistent. Yet Jeremy Hill goes first round, and Bernard is going in the fifth. Um, I've drafted Bernard on a lot of teams as my wide, my running back three. 
um, sometimes two if if I went like straight receiver or something. Um, but loved Bernard. Great pick on his behalf. Jim McCormick goes C.J. Spiller. Uh, Pat Thorman does the Le- Le- um, yeah. Blunt. <laughs> I can't think of his first name. Um, LeGarrette. LeGarrette. Then it came to me, uh, like I said, I was really hoping for Bernard to get there. At that point, I had two two wide receivers, two running backs, and I wanted to get the best, um, either the best wide receiver I liked, which I at that point really didn't see any that jumped out of me that I didn't feel I could get later. Um, and so my second guy after Bernard has always been Danny Woodhead. Um Two years ago, Danny Woodhead was actually a top 12 running back in a PPR format in both consistency and total points. Um, I really believe that Phillip Rivers will not lose that love for him out of the backfield. Um, He'll be the third down back. He's even one of those sneaky backs at the goal line that they'll hand off. In fact, they did in one of the preseason games where they hand hand the ball off to him on a draw um, because most people think he's just going to come out of the backfield for a pass. So really liked Woodhead getting him there as my flex or, you know, third running back. Um, what are your thoughts on Danny Woodhead? Do you love him as much as I do? Because I have a huge man crush on this guy. <laughs> I, I don't know if I would go that far, but, uh, okay. you know, right. as I said earlier, though, I, I'm, you know, fully aware Melvin Gordon is going to be the two-down guy, and Danny Woodhead is right. a very, very capable passing down guy. In this format, half-point PPR, I don't know if I would have taken him in that range. I probably would have waited a little bit longer on him. But, I, I mean, again, like I said earlier, you got to get your guys so you draft the way you want to draft. And um, But, I, I mean, hey, the, he's, a, he's a darn good football player, so he's a lot of fun to watch. Interesting enough, right after me, you took basically a similar guy in the Giants offense, and that's Shane Vereen as kind of their third down back, um, kind of fills the role Woodhead does for San Diego um, I like that pick. Um, basically, after basically Bernard Woodhead and, and Vereen are my three guys that I want to get as my uh, running back three in a PPR format or, or some kind of half point PPR. Um, I thought that was a great pick by you. Um, you know, now you have Gordon Foster and Vereen. Um, I, I guess I don't have to ask you what you think of it because you picked him. So <laughs> we'll move on. Um, Chris Johnson goes to Mike Salfino. Uh, Doug Martin, who uh, ADP skyrocketed after his couple big games, he looked really good in preseason, goes to the Roto Experts guys. Um, Drew Brees now comes off the board. Jim Day uh, picks Drew Brees at the end of the fifth round. I thought that was a nice value there. Um, And at that point, that's when I started thinking, okay, it's time for me to get my quarterback. And and so they make the turn. He takes Roddy White, um, who I, I think is a great, consistent wide receiver, who's getting zero love by many, many people this year. I think I have Roddy White as my either like wide receiver four um, on, or, you know, or at, at best wide receiver three, I've had to draft him, but most of the time four and five sometimes. Uh, the, the elbow injury, I think, is what scared everybody off because he hasn't been playing. Um, what are your thoughts on Roddy White? He's been one of the very consistent wide receivers that just – doesn't get a lot of love playing in that offense. Last year, um, he was actually top 10 in consistency with Julio Jones, um, and yet people just don't have a lot of love for White. The injury certainly scared some off. Um, it's just a you know nothing serious with his elbow. He's supposed to play, uh, should be fine. What are your thoughts on Roddy White? 
I think it it ultimately probably is the injuries. You're right. The scaring people. Uh, targets have have dipped off the last two seasons. I mean, it's not like the guy is missing tons of games. He's only missed what five games over the last two years, right. which isn't outrageous right. by any means. But you know, a player who's now not a spring chicken anymore. Uh, he'll turn 34 during the the season itself, and. It's sad that 34 is old, but uh, it is for a football player. And um, yes, exactly. So I think that might be a little bit. Anybody though who's going all in on Leonard Hankerson, it just kind of boggles my mind. I mean, like yeah. he's been playing well in in the preseason, but uh, it's still White is the guy. I think right. you can get White, and and you're right. If you get him as your fourth or fifth wide receiver, that's a steal. I don't know if I'd yeah. be comfortable with him in this case. It's Jim's. Second receiver. That's a little, yeah, that's a little dicey for me. Yeah, well, interesting enough, when we get done, I and and we kind of go over the teams. I, I don't know if you looked at. I guess uh, my fantasy league has a a recap and grading of the teams. Did you happen to look at it? I did not. Jim Day's team was picked as the best. Just to let you know. So, well, we, um, we so shouldn't even play the league that, out there. Yeah, um, I think I was eighth, and I think you were somewhere around me. I was kind of in the middle. You were somewhere around me as well. Um, of course, I thought I had the best team, so what the hell do I know? Um, so as we go, Drew Brees uh, goes beginning of the uh, fifth round. Or no, we are – I'm sorry. Beginning of the sixth round, Roddy White. Martellus Bennett comes off the board for the Roto Experts guys. Uh, good, very consistent tight end. Uh, uh, great pick there. Uh, Deshaun Jackson goes to Mike Salfino. Uh, I'm in the same boat with you. I'm completely allergic to all Redskins. I, I won't take any of them. Um, now it's your turn. You saw Breeze come off the board. You uh, jumped on Russell Wilson. Great pick. Very consistent last year. Should be very consistent again this year. Love that pick. Um, but why did you pick Russell Wilson over Peyton Manning? Um Tony Romo, Matt Ryan, some of the other guys that are also right up there uh, from a consistency and um, uh, fantasy, you know, output standpoint. Well, I mean, I do have Wilson ranked ahead of all those players. And, you know, when you look at it, the, the thing that I like about Wilson and he really kind of typifies this for the running quarterback and he's not really the you know stereotypical running quarterback by any means. But the running quarterback who's capable of giving you yards on the ground, which makes him a higher floor play, scoring on the ground. Now, of course, I I expect his his touchdown total to regress his uh, rushing touchdowns, but still six-point rushing touchdowns. And then he Mm -hmm. also really seemed to really progress as a passer last year. Now with with I would say, two better weapons than he had last year, one being Jimmy Graham. The other being Tyler Lockett, the rookie, who I don't expect to be integrated right. in the offense early on. But later on, right. this guy's a home run hitter. So for well, me, over a declining Peyton Manning. Right. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, was just, I didn't mean to interrupt, but uh, what I was going to say, if I'm not mistaken, and I think I've heard this, I don't know it's 100% confirmed, is Fred Jackson is coming to Seattle, which now gives him a guy out of the backfield that's even better. So that could be a plus as well. Yeah, I'm not sure if that was actually if that one actually happened. I know he went okay. up for a visit. Uh, they kicked hmm. the tires on him. Um, it looks like he's still on unsigned. I just pulled the news up. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. P- 
Pete Carroll said, we are not signing him yet. So we'll see. I mean, a lot's going to obviously change after uh, Saturday afternoon when, when everybody's down to 53. You know, we'll see right. what happens from there. He's going to have a landing spot, and maybe it is Seattle. And you're right, that does give him a nice passing down option. Right, right. So you took Russell Wilson. At this point, I felt like if I don't take a quarterback here, um, and I had a few of them that I liked, um, I'm probably not going to get one of the three that I'm after. Um, and so I took my guy, the top guy on my list at that point. Russell Wilson would have been my guy as well. Uh, my next guy was Peyton Manning. Um, I felt at this point getting Peyton in the sixth round of a 14 team almost seemed giddy to me. Um, I, I realize he has, he's old and, you know, he has his things and his issues, but he's still Peyton Manning. Um, so I was pretty happy about that. Um, Pat Thorman, uh, Thorman takes Larry, uh, Larry Fitzgerald. Jim McCormick takes Eric Decker. Mike Clay takes John Brown. I'm a big John Brown fan. I was a John Brown fan before John Brown became a name. Uh, last year, I was highly touting him about a kid that really was nice. He had some consistency last year, um, you know. And, and but with Michael Floyd and Fitzgerald there, um, it was hard for Brown to get enough targets. So obviously, he wasn't high on my list, but I really liked him, and I would take him later in most drafts. When Floyd went down, and now he's even got to show off even more in preseason. There was no question in that game the other night with Carson Palmer that. <laughs> He loves John Brown as much as we do. Um, so Mike Clay uh, had a nice pick there. And that's his third receiver, too. So certainly a great pick. Uh, Pierre Garçon goes to Jake Seeley, making his team even worse than it was before. Uh, <laughs> Jordan Cameron goes to Matt Camp. Uh, Brandon Lee, uh, Marion Lee uh, takes Richard Jennings. Um, surprisingly, Ryan Fowler takes Tony Romo as the quarterback six off the board. I thought that was... Higher than I would have expected. I really thought that I'd see somebody else, like maybe Matt Ryan, um, somebody like that go. But he took Romo. Um, and not that Romo has been horribly inconsistent. Um, he's usually actually been pretty consistent in, in most fantasy formats. Um, just I was surprised that he went. Uh, uh, Martavius Bryant went to Dobish, even though he had the suspension. Uh, and then last pick of the sixth round was... Um, oh, David Johnson from the Cardinals. So of those guys, what surprised you of going that early um, or making it that late in, in round six? Uh, you know, really, I guess probably David Johnson going early uh, was a little yeah. bit of a surprise. I mean, yes, he was really impressive in the uh, second preseason game. He caused nine missed tackles in that game. Andre Ellington caused thir or 12 missed tackles as a runner all of last year. So that was that was an impressive performance. But I don't know if he's going to have the opportunity to get uh, enough snaps to, to really return value on that pick, at least unless, unless an injury happens. You know, going back to John right. Brown, though, John Brown is a boy, oh, boy. This guy, and a lot of people don't realize, he had 103 targets last year. So it's not like this guy was, was like, not involved or anything like that. Right. He was involved right. in this offense. and He's kind of T.Y. Hilton. Uh, he's got a little bit of that to his game, so I do like that. Bob, I hate to do this though. I I was uh, I thought this was going to be an hour long show. I actually oh, have I'm to sorry. run. <laughs> okay, it's not a problem at all. I do I I do have to run though. Yeah. No problem. No problem. Well, 
thank you for being on. Um, you know, I really appreciate it. Jeff, tell everybody where they can find you at Pro Football Focus and Twitter and all that kind of good stuff. Sure, yeah, Pro Football Focus. I'll also have some stuff up at ESPN this season. You can follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Ratcliffe, and uh, you can find me on Facebook, too. Uh, it is uh, jeff.ratcliffe.nfl. Sweet. Jeff, thank you for coming on. It was a pleasure meeting you. We had a great time together. Um, hopefully, we'll have you on again some more time this season, and uh, best of luck, and uh, we should have a lo- we should be a, a fun season here with the, in the Fantasy League of Experts. Thanks, Jeff. Absolutely. Thanks, Bob. All right, Jeff Radcliffe from Pro Football Focus. We thank him for being on tonight. So we're going to finish up with the draft because I want kind of people just to see, again, if you're in a 14-team league, this is how it all came down. Um, So as Jeff and I was talking, so we made it to the seventh round. Uh, Mike Wallace was picked. Then Charles Sims, which was a surprise um, that he went that early. Um, But, you know, again, he loves them. Victor Cruz uh, went next with that. Uh, Steve Smith. Uh, Marquise Colston, which is actually a guy I was actually hoping to kind of grab at that point, but, you know, he didn't make it to me. Uh, He was going to be my third receiver, like Marquise Colston, especially as a wide receiver three or four. I think he's going to bring some good value this year. He's always been a favorite of Drew Brees, and he's always been consistent um, in the past. Um, Last year, his consistency dropped off quite a bit with Brandon Cooks and Jimmy Graham there. I think with Graham gone, you're going to see Marquise Colston kind of get that back this year. Um, he's not going to be a Brandon Cooks. He's not going to be a home run hitter because that those days are gone. But he's going to be that underneath guy when Cooks goes deep um, that they're going to look for um, outside of where Jimmy Graham might have been before. So really like Marquise Colston. Kendall Wright went to Jake Seeley. Ben Roethlisberger went to Mike Clay as his first quarterback. As his quarterback. Uh, Bishop Sankey went to Jim McCormick. Uh, Torrey Smith went to Pat Thurman. Uh, Thorman. At that point, um, I picked as my third receiver a guy that's always been very consistent, always up there in the 65 70% range, which is a good wide receiver three, um, but he's always been at least above 50%. Well, the guy I'm talking about actually is the other guy in San Francisco, and that's Anquan Bolden. Um, he, he just catches passes. I mean, he'll catch five passes for 60 yards, which is 11 points. Now, in this one, it won't be as high, but obviously the uh, – but that's that's a quality game. I mean, any receiver gets over 10 points in a PPR, a full PPR format. That that's a quality game. Um, so I really believe that Anquan Bolden can be a good wide receiver three for me, um, and I felt really comfortable at that point uh, taking him. Um, Marcus Wheaton went next to Jeff Radcliffe. Uh, great pick, obviously with Martavius Bryant's uh, suspension. That's going to be a big deal. Michael Floyd surprisingly went this early. I thought it was really early for a guy who's going to miss some games uh, with his, his finger surgery. Uh, Devontae Freeman went next, and then Devin Funches uh, went to Jim Day as basically his third receiver. Um, so on the turn, uh, Jim Day takes Eddie Royal. We then had Stevie Johnson go. Um, uh, David Johnson? No, different Johnson. Huh. Um, another Johnson went uh, to Salfino. Zach Ertz went to um, Jeff Radcliffe. Um, so at that point, uh, I saw that, well, maybe a tight end run might start. So I grabbed my guy I always take. I love Jason Witten. He's always there every year. He's always consistent. Um, getting him in the eighth round, I'm perfectly fine with eighth um, tight end off the board. Um, so I was perfectly fine with that. After that, uh, Brandon Quick 
uh, Ryan Matthews, Devontae Parker, Trey Ma- uh, Mason. Matt Ryan went to Matt Camp in the eighth round. Um, I really like Matt Ryan. I think he's always up there, again, consistency-wise. Um, surprisingly, I-, I Peyton Manning and Matt Ryan are the two guys I really wanted. If I knew I could have waited another uh, level, maybe I would have taken John Brown. That might have helped me out a little bit more. But anyway, uh, so Matt Ryan goes in the eighth round. Uh, Isaiah Crowell, Tyler Eifert, David Cobb, and Darren McFadden. Uh, eighth round. So ninth round, Kenny Stills, Marvin Jones, guy I like a lot this year um, as my wide receiver four or five. You can see how he does. A couple years ago, he went like four for six at the end of the season. Um, really had a nice uh, kind of camaraderie going on with, with uh, Andy Dalton. Um, so I really think he could come back and, and be of, of some value. Um, Tom Brady went to Ryan Fowler. Um, and this was after he'd taken Tony Romo three uh, spots earlier, three rounds earlier. Uh, Cam Newton then came off the board. Reggie Bush, uh, uh, Julius Thomas, of course, this was before the injury. Uh, Brashad Perriman, Delaney Walker, uh, Pat Thorman took, uh, oh, shoot, um, Robinson. Um, oh, um, Robinson from Jacksonville. Uh, at that point, I took Darren Sproles. I've taken him a lot of drafts as my uh, PPR kind of wide or running back four, uh, and I'm good with that. Jeff Ratcliffe took Cody Latimer. Uh, Mike Salfino then took uh, uh, Jonas Gray. Ronnie Hillman then went next, and then to round out uh, round nine, um, it was Niall Davis going to Jim Day. Um, Jim Day then makes the turn and takes Andre Williams as a running back. Uh, Alfred Blue then went next, um, which I was—I don't know if maybe Jeff Ratcliffe was hoping to kind of catch that or not, but um, catch that Alfred Blue pick, but I don't know if that bothered him or not. But then he took Jared McKinnon, so he's got the backup to Adrian Peterson. I took Brandon LaFell, um, knowing that he was kind of injured um, and, and didn't bother me because at this point he would have been my wide receiver four. Um, and I was okay with that, and I'm really glad I did now with Brady coming back. Hopefully LaFell will only miss a game or two, uh, but him and Brady last year at the end of the season and into the playoffs really clicked, um, and I really think that could be a great value for me uh, down the road. Ryan Tannehill finally gets drafted by Pat Thorman uh, in the 10th round, which and then Jim McCormick took Sam Bradford right after that. I thought that was a great value for both of those guys in round 10. Um, if I'd, again, known they would have lasted that long, I might have waited as well. Um, but, you know, again, I'm still happy with Peyton Manning. Antonio Gates gets drafted by Mike Clay, um, which would have been his first tight end? Let me look here. Um, no, that is his first tight end. Huh, interesting enough. Um, I really thought he took a tight end before that. John, John, Nope, he didn't. So his first tight end is Antonio Gates. Not sure what he's going to do for the first four games. Um, Michael Crabtree went to Jake Seeley. Uh, Philip Dorsett then went to um, Dwayne Allen. Uh, at that point, uh, let's see, Roy Hillou, Terrence Williams, and Kyle Rudolph rounded out that level. Um, we come back to round 11. Uh, Owen Daniels, which I think was a great pick that late. Um, pretty sure that was his backup tight end since he took, yeah, since he took Kyle Rudolph in the round before. Kenny Britt, Carmen Artis Payne, uh, Ruben Randall, uh, Brandon Coleman uh, went to Matt Camp. Alan Hearns went to Jake Seeley in round 11. Um, and 
this is the interesting part. So we're at this point in the draft, and I, I don't think any of us really realized that Jake Sully at this point did not have a quarterback, and it was round 11. Um, so as we were coming down this round, um, it gets to our table, which was basically Jim McCormick, Pat Thorman, myself, Radcliffe, etc. And um, I knew that I wanted to have a good uh, backup quarterback to, you know, just in case Peyton goes down or, you know, for the bye week or whatever. And when Pat Thorman took Eli Manning, I took Carson Palmer. And um, um, then um, Ty Montgomery went, uh, Josh Huff, uh, uh, Dorio uh, Greenbeck, um, um, and, Matt, and Matt Jones. And then on the way back, um, more backup quarterbacks went, Matthew Stafford, Philip Rivers, um, and Teddy Bridgewater, leaving basically poor Jake Seeley with <laughs> Colin Kaepernick as his number one quarterback. So he was not happy with us. I'm pretty sure he flipped us off multiple times, um, but uh, <laughs> it is what it is. So um, for those of you who want to wait on the quarterback, um, you can wait, and, and I understand that, but don't wait too long. You might want to make sure you have three or four that you want to kind of get, and when you see some of them start coming off the board, you may not want to, uh, to, to you know, to wait that long. Joe Flacco then gets picked uh, by Matt Camp. Doug Baldwin, Fred Jackson, uh, went to Ryan Fowler, uh, uh, Malcolm Floyd, and Cecil Shorts. Basically, again, the last two rounds, mostly defenses, some backup um, quarterback or backup, uh, you know, players, um, and again, everybody's defense. I took Miami's defense. Um, Jeff took the Panthers, um, both solid picks, which – um, so overall, you know, I think, you know, at the end of the day, my, basically here's my, my roster, my starters, Peyton Manning, DeMarco Murray, Andre Ellington, um, you know, Demarius Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Anquan Bolden, uh, Jason Witten in the Dolphins defense. We don't have a kicker. Uh, my backups would be Carson Palmer, uh, Darren Sproles, Danny Woodhead, uh, Jericho Cotchery, Brandon LaFell, Richard Rogers is my other tight end, backup tight end. And so feel overall that, that I have a team that should be competitive. Um, I've got solid backups. Um, some of them could start um, in certain weeks. Um, I don't really have any bad bye week. Uh, week five, I've got three. Week seven, I've got three. So I've got them kind of spread out. There's going to be some issues. Uh, Jeff's team overall, I, I, I like his team. I mean, obviously, if, if his Arian Foster scenario is correct, um then yeah, he's going to be he's going to be competitive. Um, you know, without it, it's going to be you're going to be relying on Shane Vereen and Melvin Gordon as his two main backs. Certainly could do it, but you know, um, issues there. Obviously, Odell Beckham, Randall Cobb, Marcus Wheaton as his three receivers are solid. Um, he's got two good um, solid tight ends of Larry Tanell and Zach Ertz, uh, and Russell Wilson as his quarterback. So his team is good. Interesting enough, like I said, um, the the system kind of picked who they thought was the best team. And they picked Jim Day's team. And when you really look at it from a starter standpoint, it is pretty solid from top to bottom. Drew Brees, Matt Forte, Alvin, Alfred Morris, um, Gronkowski, and the Eagles defense. Where he's obviously going to be a little weak is wide receiver, but they're solid wide receivers. Eddie Royal, Sammy Watkins, Roddy White are his starters. Um, not a lot in the backups, so if any of those guys get hurt, he could be in trouble. But that's who they picked as the best team. Um, overall, it was a blast. Uh, I want to thank Jeff for coming on. Uh, Lenny, thank you for listening tonight. I really appreciate you being here. Um, 
So again, I uh, appreciate everyone. Um, you know, if you have any questions, you can certainly hit me up on Twitter at Bob underscore Lung. I really would, uh, you know, welcome any questions, uh, you know, as we're heading into uh, the starter of the week. Um, you know, any waiver wire pickups, any thoughts. Um, if you haven't got my book, you can get it at fantasysportswarehouse.com. You can go there to the uh, NFL and then go to Consistency Tools. Buy the book. It's only $5 and, uh, you know, help you uh, not only for your draft if it's coming up this weekend, but for the season. A lot of good information on lineup decisions and stuff that goes through the season. If you're a daily fantasy game guy, there's also uh, some great charts in there on how consistent players have been in game scenarios, whether that's home, away, versus the top 10 defense, bottom 10 defense, so it can help you win your daily fantasy stuff as well. So thank you again to Jeff and Lenny, uh, Jeff for being on, Lenny for listening. I really appreciate you being here. It means a lot to me. Uh, Lenny Melnick, uh, one of the best baseball guys in the business, has been for years. Uh, so Lenny, thank you for uh, being uh, being on here tonight and just listening. Uh, to everyone else, uh, have a great Labor Day weekend. And, uh, you know, get, as we ramp up, I know tonight a lot of preseason games going on. Probably not going to see too many starters, if any. Uh, not going to really get a lot of week four in the preseason. Um, usually week three is kind of the dress rehearsal. So, again, thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, have a great holiday weekend. And we'll be back here next Thursday, 7 o'clock, right before the opening night. And uh, we'll be talking lineup decisions and various stuff like that. Um, and also uh, coming up a couple weeks. On Tuesday night is uh, Galligan's Island with Tim Galligan and myself. We'll be on Fantasy Sports Warehouse, and I'll let you know all that on Twitter as well. So thanks again, and have a great night.